Hey guys, welcome to Contest Prep University. I'm Joe Klimczewski with Adam Atkinson, and we're going to do another episode in our series, Coaching Behind the Scenes. Adam, I wanted to chat about something that we we touch on once in a while from different angles, but I want an entire long-form episode just about extreme dieting, extreme contest prep, uh, how to maybe even manage a peak week when you're just simply willing to do whatever it takes. And you and I spent a lot of time talking about the, the proper ways to do things, how to protect your metabolism, how to make sure you're sparing lean body mass. We want to have enough time. We're, we're very diligent about, about scheduling the, the amount of time and the phases we need for clients. But sometimes we don't have that luxury. Sometimes we get contacted and somebody says, look, I got a contest in a month or eight weeks and I got this far to go. You know, is this something we can do? And there are ways or methods where we can really step on the gas and do something extreme. I think you and I both know competitors and we probably had clients who have done that successfully, but there is also a lot of risk. So when I, when I say that, just the fact that there are extreme methods that you and I may use from time to time, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, you know, I think calories and cardio for sure. So um, you know, how much food are we giving someone? How much activity are we giving someone? Um, I was pretty excited when I saw that we were going to talk about this because probably one of my uh, most common questions from inquiring uh, clients or just even people looking for an expert eye on the outside are my calories too low. And um, I always find it interesting because there's always some coach out there to try to um, prey upon these people and say, yes, come to me and you'll eat more. Well, that sounds great, uh, but that's not always um, not always the case. Um, some people do need more recovery modalities than most. Um, so it really depends on the person. Uh, a lot of other things can factor in how much time in the day do they have to do cardio, um, where their energy levels like um, is work performing suffering because we're pushing too hard. These are things that we need to be realistic about. Um, you know, a client should never feel like they're forced to do anything. It's obviously a choice. And uh, you're either going to do that hour and a half of cardio if we're pushing that hard, or we're going to say, you know, this just doesn't seem feasible. Let's move my show day back. Yeah. And those are the questions you have to go through. Uh, and I do have a client who just maybe two weeks ago uh, contacted me, pro-competitor, uh, he, he even came saying, look, this, I don't even know if I should do this. What do you think? And I said, you've got such incredible size and symmetry and shape. Like you are just, you, you're, you are a world champion waiting to happen. And of course, you're not going to look your best because we're going to be really rushed. But I know we can get close enough to be contending for that win if you're willing to do what it takes. And, and sure enough, it's it's very low carbs. It's It's back to two training sessions a day, one with some cardio plus training and one just an extra cardio. So you're, you're back to that two a day kind of mode and it sucks. I mean, he's starving. He's uh, every once in a while, he'll, he'll break down and just need a little extra food. And, and thankfully he's not a, a big binge kind of guy. So it's like, you know, Hey Joe, I had to have three extra rice cakes or I had a, a little bowl of oatmeal or something just to get me through. So he knows how to be moderate. He is willing to pay that price but you know what it's like to be so depleted that you can barely walk up a flight of stairs. And, and we're supposed to be 
representatives of health, right? Like we're, you know, lean, healthy athletes. And here we're, we're physically almost starving ourselves to death in that scenario. But he's got this contest and, you know, he may end up winning it and it may be worthwhile knowing that just for this specific context and contest, it was worth paying the price. Not always, but in, in his case, it may be. Yeah, absolutely. I think me and you are both in the realm where we're more than likely to push somebody's show back when we're in this position. But there are certain shows you can't let, let pass up whether they need to get qualified first. Um, so I kind of wanted to explain to our audience sometimes how we get into these situations. Sometimes, you know, that show is your only option to qualify due to travel or, um, you know, certain shows are Olympia qualifiers or something like that. And uh, we as coaches find ourselves all the time saying we want someone ready four weeks early. And sometimes we just don't have the time to do that based on the situation. Yeah, you 100% nailed it just by alluding to incentive. Sometimes if it's just a routine show, you were you were kind of rushed. Maybe, maybe it was something that popped up in your area. It's like, hey, I think I want to do that. Is there enough incentive for you to go through that much pain? Uh, an example I have is a, 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 a client hired me just last week because he's getting ready to go on the TV show Survivor. And he's like, I got 12 weeks. I've got 12 weeks. I have to be in amazing shape. I have to be ready to hit that set and knowing that I'm going to even lose another 20 or so pounds. So I, I not only have to physically be in my best shape for this, and he's not in that great of shape, but then I have to know that I can withstand that kind of physical trauma and calorie deprivation once I'm there. And so that incentive, this guy's willing to do anything because this is a huge shot. This is, this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And I think you and I both have worked with competitors. A lot of times they're new to the sport. It's their first time dieting and nothing seems bad to them. You could give them a hundred calories a day and they wouldn't even complain. They'd be like, okay, this is just what it's supposed to be like. But once you've been through the routine a few times, you lose that edge and, and you almost know too much what to expect. And therefore that level of sacrifice is just harder. So sometimes upping the ante to the point where there really are stakes like that on the line can make all the difference. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Just the other day, I had a second-time competitor tell me that she's having a harder time because she knows what to expect. And there was a certain phase of her diet last year that she um, she hated. She absolutely hated. So it, it more is, are we going to get that low? Or are we going to have to push that hard? And, and my hope is no. Um, we had a really good off season, so I'm hoping not, but I said, you know, when it comes down to what you have to do to win, I know you're willing to do that and just know as a coach that um, I'm not going to take advantage and just run you into the ground if I don't have to. So um, it's not always going to be that bad. Right. And, and let's talk about some of those methodologies because whether you do know what to anticipate or not, it's still a process. It's still a very physics and biology related process. And so if you're going to put yourself through that, there has to be a way to do it well, or at least better with, with 
the, the best physical outcome. You're protecting your metabolism and lean body mass, but still reaching that goal. So I'll, I'll throw out there one example of somebody who I have never worked with personally, and that is Brian Whitaker, a six or seven time lightweight world champion, overall world champion once, and, and a Yorton Cup overall champion once. And this is a guy who's just famous for his work ethic. Like he's so robotic and mechanical, always started his contest diets out exactly six months, always had the same kind of meal plan, prepped his food a week in advance. These were his meals, never deviated, not, not one single you know, Cheerio of, of difference in his food intake. And that's the kind of sacrifice and diligence he employed to become that successful early in his career. Um, I, I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but I remember him telling me he would carb cycle because he's somebody, even as an ectomorph, somebody who's super, super lean, he would almost instantly get up to 30 to 35 pounds over contest weight. You know, he would always compete at 165 would instantly almost be up to 190 to 200. And so when he started his contest diet the next year, he always had that same 30 to 40 pounds to lose. So there was very little margin. It had to be a very, very strict dieting process. Even as an ectomorph with a really good amount of muscle and and a massive work ethic, he would do carb cycling where it might be uh, uh, 60 grams of carbs for two days and then 90 and then 120 and then 60, 90, 120. He would just rotate. It might've been daily every two days, but there were never high carb or high calorie days. It certainly wasn't ketogenic, but that level of dieting for that long really kind of stunned me. I'm like, this, this guy is eating way fewer calories than I would think he, he would and yet he just soldiered through it because that's what he knew it took to get him to that world champion level. Um, so, so even those small cycling increments where at least he was coming up, he always knew he had another day or two and then he'd get a little bit more carbohydrate to, to increase his energy. I, I think you and I would probably cycle differently with, with higher calorie days but, but what are different ways that you have helped people make it through super aggressive dieting and, and still get the best of both worlds? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Um, cycling, like we talked about, is one. Um, sometimes I like to call that giving someone light at the end of the tunnel, push for a couple of days and get a little reward and increase and not battling hunger as much. Um, Something big for me has been just rest days or active rest days. Um, I don't even want my clients doing cardio on those days. They can maybe go out for a brisk walk or something, but I want them pretty inactive, not really training and uh, just getting a good break. And I think that's another good way to manage that. Um, other, Other things we've done are, you know, refeed days, maybe twice a week, three times a week, um, Sometimes I'll do back-to-back or triple refeeds, depending on how hard the person's going. So those are other great options also. But I really find that managing that activity and food level, um, however that can sound best to a client sometimes, is what will win. And that's where we, we start getting into some really complicated things. I don't know if I ever told you I had a girl quit because one of my clients was carb cycling and she wanted to do it. And she felt like I was giving um, this client just something secretive that no one else was getting. 
And I said, well, we manage it this way because, you know, when we talked on the phone, she was just having such a hard time on the low days. And I said, how, how hard do you think you can push two or three days here? And she said, I think I can go a third. So I said, well, days four and five are here and we tapered up. So it wasn't that I gave her anything secretive. We just communicated well through the process. Yep. And you, one of the things that I think of is the psychology of that. You know, what you just mentioned that, that she just knew, okay, I can push for this extra day if I know this is going to happen. And the, the more we do know physiologically, I think that can add a layer of trust. So if, if you say, okay, I know I'm physically hungry. I know I'm physically depleted. I know there are some parts of the day that I'm, I'm starving 15 minutes after I just ate a meal but we get in these catastrophic modes psychologically where we just, we just let those brainstem level impulses of hunger drive us. And that, that's what can cause binge eating and, and just, just derailing the entire process. But, but I think the people who make it through without doing that, as I said, they have this motivation that it's, it's such a, a stark incentive difference that they, they want the goal so badly they're willing to pay that price some people who don't quite feel the weight of the incentive that much have to reinforce that constantly. They have to remind themselves that, you know, that's what I'm doing this for. You know, you win the contest today and tomorrow and the next day, not, not then it's, it's gotta be an everyday decision. And, and I think it helps for them to realize, okay, you're, you're not really dying. You're not, uh, you're not starving yourself to death. You still have this much calorie intake these meals are scheduled throughout the day. You know you're going to make it. And, and sometimes, Adam, I, I think you, you know, you can feel horrible and then just one meal later you feel okay. Or especially with a good night's sleep, it's like, wow, all of a sudden I feel like I have 10 times the energy and I feel great. Wow, yesterday was a bad day, but today's amazing. And it was just that trust that you were just going to go through the process, get in the next day, and we will have just as many good waves as bad. And I think that again, has to be just constantly reinforced when you're dieting to this extreme level that we're talking about. Yeah. And that's a great point too, because I've had people who do feel better as they go longer and they're like, I can push a fourth day with lower calories. So you, you get into a rhythm when you diet. So I remember in, in one of my very first dieting experiences where I had a little help. I had a, a personal trainer who was helping me and, and, you know, coaching me along a little bit. And because I did have trust in somebody else, I thought, well, this person knows more than I do. So I'm just going to trust the system, so to speak. Sometimes that doesn't work quite as, as well as it should, but, but I, I did have confidence in this person. So there were these moments where I would even feel hypoglycemic. And I mean, some of those where your, your periphery just starts to kind of go black and I wouldn't run to the refrigerator. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have any thoughts of binging. I would just sit down, rest for a couple minutes, drink some water, and then I was okay. And realistically, the physiology of that is, yes, my blood sugar is dropping, but I'm also in the state of, of um, lipolysis. I'm, I'm turning body fat into energy, into blood sugar, I got a little behind, obviously, from whatever activity I was doing. I just needed to catch up, and then my body was okay. That that accelerated body fat loss instead of, as I said, derailing it. So 
Um, you have to be careful, obviously. You know, I, I would not recommend somebody who's 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 in, uh, encountering peripheral vision loss to not pay attention. But when you are an athlete or you're somebody who has that external goal that matters that much and you understand what's happening, there is that process of just embracing the sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. I always tried to trick myself that if I felt bad, I was losing body fat. So I tried to almost encourage feeling that way and said, if, I, if I'm not hungry, you know, that's probably not a good thing. But if I'm feeling hunger or low energy, I'm definitely pushing as hard as I need to be. Yeah, I, I cannot stand going to sleep hungry, like physically, stomach growling hungry. But when I was a competitive pro, I wanted that feeling for the same reason you just said. I, I was like, okay, if I feel hungry now, this is going to be a good night. I'm going to wake up lighter and leaner and progress is being made. And so I could go to bed with a smile on my face because I was hungry instead of being angry about it or, or fighting it. That perspective makes a huge difference. And, you know, I find a lot to this sport is just getting used to finding your pain point and being able to deal with it. And uh, some people, something hurts just a little bit and they have to stop. And that's okay because people like me and you still take those clients on and we're a little more patient and they diet a couple months longer than everyone else and they still get there. But it, you know, it really does come down um, kind of these extremes really do depend on the person. And then, of course, their communication, to be honest, are you going through the extremes of prep or are you slacking off on your cardio or maybe eating more than you should and logging it as we've planned it? Right. And again, there does have to be a, a series of methods to get you through this as a, as a client or somebody who's coaching a client. And so some of those physiological breakpoints are like, like you mentioned, Adam, just more rest, taking a day off if you need to, taking a cardio session off if you need to, walking through one without the intensity that you wanted, but at least to, to keep that habit and keep those training sessions in is fine sometimes. But I also, do you remember in old school dieting, like in the 90s or something, if somebody was doing a low carb diet, some of these systems out there, they would, they would be totally keto for like three days and then you get a big baked potato or keto for three days and have a, a bowl of oatmeal. And it was that, that dangling carrot that mentally kept people going. But there was also a physiological surge of energy to that. There's a, you know, that, that's your carb uh, allotment for the next couple of days. And you felt it, you had, you had better workouts and you enjoyed it. And of course you were, you were just psychologically happier that day. Your brain was getting some glucose, but you know, however you decide to do that, you of course have to bake that into the cake, so to speak, the, the, the entire protocol of your progress, but there should be ways to do that. Even as I mentioned, this client who's working very hard right now to, to reach this show at the end of the season, um, you know, we still have a, a higher carb day in there, a couple days that are kind of moderate, but they're there. I, I think of a client I had this year who won a pro card and then a pro show. And as a pretty big heavyweight, you know, he had to diet aggressively. He was hungry a lot of the time, but instead of saying, well, let's have this, you know, big weekend or, or relaxed days or, or super high carb days. It was just, just that burger. It's like every Friday night you had a burger and fries 
And it wasn't quite so um, meticulous in terms of measuring macros and saying, well, this is, this is your high carb day, you know, and this is how much I want and spread it out through the day, make sure they're clean carbs. It was just, you know, so much solid work during the week that as a big heavyweight, I knew he could withstand that much calorie intake. And, and there was, there was a nice physiological surge of energy and, it, and psychologically it helped him get through the next week. Yeah, absolutely. Those, uh, I, I like to call them like rest stations on the road trip of prep. So having those breaks is so important. Uh, women especially, they just don't deal with stress as well as men do. And because of the lowering of uh, progesterone due to the extremes of prep, they don't um, recreate cortisol um, as effectively because when progesterone's bottomed out, you just have to deal with the stress with as little to zero cortisol as you have. Um, so yeah, those rest periods are really great for women. Um, it actually helps them reestablish the progesterone supply, um, which is really good. And it does a lot of other things as well from a performance aspect and um, just mental aspect as well. Um, but I think that's uh, one of the big things too as much as we talk about this and giving people mental breaks, um, it's just really hard to calculate on paper how beneficial that is for somebody. But um, that's why I'm huge on giving my clients some relaxed time in the off season where they're maybe not tracking. Um, you just can't put a price on somebody's mentality and allowing them to feel like they've uh, gotten a break from prep. Yeah, and I, I think in terms also of going back to incentive a little bit, we, we've talked about how you can, you can employ some of these methods and push harder, fight your way through it, but you also have to know there is a break point and, and it may not be the right move for you uh, at, at a particular time. So for every single person that I, that I mentioned that could just really plow through it and get there and the sacrifice was worth it, I would say for every person who's done that, there are at least 10 who wished they hadn't even tried, that it was just physiologically too much. And it would have been better, as you said at the beginning of this episode, Adam, just to delay the contest, just say, look, there's just physiologically not enough time. And I, I think of one client in particular, just to show you the difference of mindset, uh, that you'll find physically, even within yourself, that there are some kind of sweet spot levels of calorie intake and, and work expenditure outtake that uh, that are livable for you. You know, you can get kind of maximum fat loss, and and you know this is this is where you just know you need to set your macronutrient profile, your energy balance. But you take one step too far, and the whole house of cards start to fall. So this one particular client who was always fighting from behind, all, always setting these goals that were just too lofty, couldn't get there in time. And, and she would end up trying to fight through, you know, 50, 70, 80 grams of carbs a day, still low fat, moderate protein, too much cardio, and just, you know, binge, 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 just, just could not, it was just physically impossible. So we finally had a year where we could take a step up, get more in the 140, 150 gram protein, I'm sorry, a carb range, way more livable. Now you have the fuel to sustain higher energy cardio and training as well as just, just neat. And uh, it, it was phenomenal. Just, just bam, 50, 60 pounds lost over the course of a year, like clockwork. 
But as soon as you start pushing downward a little bit, you can see that strain, you can see that hunger push back in. So that's the difference between years of struggling versus finally deciding, hey, I guess the tortoise beats the hare in that fairy tale for a reason. You know, there's just physiologically a place where this is doable and you cross a line and it's not. But here's the here's the exception. We got to a point within a couple of weeks and we had our backs against the wall with a weight class. So all of a sudden, and, and I feared this, I'm like, man, if we if we push too hard, I know our history, I know what's gonna happen, but we were able to increase cardio now that it mattered, now that the incentive was higher. Here's, here's that weigh-in day, two weeks away. And even the last two to three days, we fasted, literally withheld food for a full day, just nibbling. And we did what you and I would, would hate to do in normal context, Adam, which is to dehydrate somebody, you know, just to make that weight. And all of that stuff instantly was executable and flawless because the stakes were that high. That is not sustainable as an entire contest methodology for four months or six months. But man, when it comes time to do it and, and there's that much on the line, that's where extreme methods can work. But I can't say that without cautioning that they fail more times than they work just out of sheer physiological necessity. Yeah. And then just being safe with your clients in those extremes. So when you're dehydrating, just realize that's pretty dangerous. So I have a guy who he makes classic by like maybe 0.3 pounds every time we cut it close every time. And he's really conditioned. It's just really hard when he's that heavy. So we think he's going to have to move up to bodybuilding eventually if he wants to grow, which he does. So, yeah, I, I absolutely. I, this is hard for me to recommend to coaches or clients without any kind of supervision. If I didn't have my background in nutrition and health, this is not something I would even do with clients. And, and it's always with the, the known quantity that we're doing something that has this kind of danger. You have to communicate with me. I don't even recommend it, but since this means this much to you and, and we're going to push this hard, here's the way we can do it and still be safe. I, I, I would never recommend something unsafe, but it's still going to be that critically difficult. And anytime you decide that, that we just need a shift and we need to move away from this goal entirely, there's, there's the pull cord. I mean, we can do it. We can, we can parachute our way out of this and, and, and still be fine. We can, we can adjust and, and shoot for another goal. And sometimes, Adam, this, this is what I'll close with. I think for people who really do think they have what it takes to pay that price and to be that extreme, I think it almost takes the attempt to prove to them that it's not that easy and it's not something you want to do. So it's, it's way more difficult to talk somebody out of it. You just have to almost let them go through the process and then be ready to help them pick up the pieces when it doesn't quite work as well as they thought. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when you go through these hard times, it's not a guarantee to win. And I think sometimes competitors think that because they're like, well, if I did X, Y, and Z, I should win. But sometimes someone doesn't have to do hardly anything and they still look better than you. <laughs> um, yeah. Going back to my very first client I brought up, um, I said, yes, this is doable, 
but you will not look your best. You have to understand that this is not the best way for you to achieve your perfect look, but can we make it to that goal with this much time and that much work? Yeah, we can do that, but it's going to be extreme. And that's what this whole episode was about, was just showing people what methods you can use to still be safe, how difficult it is, how you may need to prepare yourself psychologically, and then you just have to give it a shot and see, see what can be done. Absolutely. All right, Adam. Well, thanks for uh, jumping in again on short notice. I throw these topics at you as you do with me sometimes. And, and we're just kind of rolling through all the information we have cataloged with, with client experience. But uh, anybody out there listening right now, we are still going to be working the next maybe month or so on the final year before we jump in back to topical small episodes to really get geared up for the contest season. So anybody who wants any long form content or uh, we, we still want to invite a couple people on to do some case studies, just let us know. We'll go through those topics and, uh, and get us through the rest of the year. So thanks guys. And we'll see you next time in contest prep university.